Okay, welcome to Movie Left, a movie review podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Monterulo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's going on? I just dropped some coin on a brand new fucking bike. Uh, <laughs> I won't have it for a few days. They got to build it. It's a custom build bike shop, so everything there, you got to build it from scratch. But uh, it'll be it'll be the first fixed gear bike I've actually owned, ridden fixed gear before. But it's I figured like by now I probably should own one. <laughs> so uh, it'll be it'll be fun. I had an older bike that uh, the frame broke on it in a place where it couldn't be welded, right? And it was also corroded, so it's pretty much like once that happens, it's done, right? Got so, your, you've gotten your money's worth out of that bike, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've got this this huge, heavy tank of a, of a bike that I use for hauling gear, right? But carrying that thing up and down four flights of stairs every single time I want to ride somewhere is just, like, I'm, I'm tired of it. <laughs> so mm. I wanted to get something that was light and fast again, you know, like not something for cargo, but something just to cruise around, right? So, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So I, I literally, like, I, they only do it by appointment right now during COVID. So my appointment was 2.15, and I had to, like, do everything with this guy and then get back here 45 minutes later to record. And as of right now, it's 3.07 p.m. So, like, I, I like literally just did this. So uh, nice. scram, scrambled to get back here and literally sat down and plugged it in right at 3 o'clock. Well, if only you have a, had a hoverboard, you would have gotten home a lot quicker. Uh, or if I had a time machine. If I had well, a time that's, machine. That's also true. What are we talking about? I got all the time <laughs> in the world. <laughs> yeah, so we are, of course, reviewing uh, Back to the Future 2, the second in our third installment of uh, Back to the Future reviews, obviously. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we reviewed the first Back to the Future film, which uh, definitely recommend anyone who hasn't listened to that go back and check out. Uh, had a lot of fun talking about that. You know, one of uh, one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, and it's just... Yeah, I mean, Back to the Future 2 is... Uh, you know, a lot of people think that this movie is actually better than the first movie. And, and, I, I'm, and I think I talked last uh, episode about how I don't quite agree, but I think it's pretty close. And it's one of the few uh, movie sequels where you can, I think... Uh, legitimately make that case you know it's, it's a very rare thing for sequels to uh, you know elevate the material of the first movie and not just feel like it's you know trying to run it back for another cash grab um right but but i mean back to the future from the beginning even though you know it was only conceived as one movie initially uh bob gale and bob zemeckis managed to really pull it together to where it feels like three pieces of one narrative like and it doesn't feel like it was cobbled together, you know, like it, it feels like every, all the pieces fit, everything was meant to be from the beginning, which is pretty amazing, uh, considering its conception. Right. Well, and then he never planned on making a sequel, right? Yeah. Like that yeah. was, you know, and he, Zemeckis always said if he, if he had planned on making a sequel, he never would have had Jennifer be in the, the flying DeLorean because he was like, what do we do with her now? Like, yeah. we just gotta, gotta like knock her out and throw her in the dumpster. We just like, all right, let's do that. Uh, there's a plot point for you, but um, you know, I always felt like this was the weakest one uh, really? of, of of the three. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's people that you, that you watch that that like uh, that that Back to the Future is like guys documentary that's on Hulu, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 and they've they have the the the, the guy from uh, Rick and Morty, and he's like, come on, what are you kidding? The second, third one are crap. <laughs> like he, you know, so there's people that have they have very different opinions and. He's a fucking you alcoholic, know, I, so who cares? What he, no. eh, you know. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But it's like it's it's always it's. I never thought that it was crap, but I never thought it was as nearly as good as the original um, until I went back and watched it again l- the night we did the review of the first one. Mm-hmm. And something about talking <laughs> about it in in so much depth, going back and watching it after just pouring over all the details that we did for the first one, it was suddenly it took on a different level. Right. Like I was noticing yeah. all these other things that I had never noticed before, uh, having been, you know, it, and I knew that we were going to review it. So I was, you know, looking for it, sure. looking at it in that lens, too. Uh, but it just I was just like, this is this is actually like I feel like all three of them, I can't say one's better than the other now. Like they all feel so just flawless in every way to me. And, and a nothing, part of there's one, nothing lacking, you know, a part of one story. Uh, yeah. It's well, really hard to separate and, them. And just just the fact that they were like, well, what are we going to do for the second one? 
Oh, he, you know, because the, the, the running, the working title of this film was Paradox, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, the, the paradox of what happens if you go back in time and you meet your other self, right? Mm-hmm. And we've, like, literally, it's like, okay, well, now he has to go back to the, uh, you know, the fish under the sea dance, uh, as, <laughs> as they call it. Uh, <laughs> it's enchantment under the sea dance. And he's got to, like, be there watching himself doing from all the first things, movie. <laughs> yeah from other angles and it's just like who, who else could pull this off besides Robert Zemeckis you know and, and make yeah. it still have the same weight you know like now well, he now he's watching himself get beat up uh you know by Biff through the window of of you know Pr- principal Strickland's <laughs> office <laughs> he's like I don't know where he is and he looks out the window he's like there he like it's just it's you know to to keep track of all that and to shoot it all, the continuity of all of it. Um, one little tidbit I love was like they were they were trying to get all the exact actual articles of clothing from the original dance, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, and nowadays they can just recreate any article of clothing, right? But for some reason they need like they needed to have those actual articles of clothing for the sake of authenticity. And like uh, uh, Marty's mom um, name, help me out. Uh, uh, oh fuck. Uh, Lorraine, I can't remember her the actual right. name. Um, right, yeah. her name is just Mom. It's just Mom. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they they had three like, from the original film. There was three Leah Thompson, Leah Thompson. Yeah, three three of the dresses, and they couldn't find any of the three dresses. And they were on set, and Leah Thompson finally admitted that she had one of them. So she had to go drive to her house to get it. <laughs> Which is the thing most actors do, is that they'll, like, just, you know, steal, like, what, a part of their fucking prop. You right. know, like, wait, right. but you, it's like an unspoken thing. It's like, you never admit it. But, yeah, no, she was like, all right, fuck it. I got to gotta bring it back for the, for right. the shoot. <laughs> so just one more thing I love about Leah Thompson and her yeah. love of the character and, oh, and she's of the movie. awesome. She might be my favorite, like, person associated with this movie. Like, as an actual, like, when she talks about the, but she just seems like the coolest fucking person. Still kind of oh, yeah. looks the same, even though she's, like, you know, approaching oh. 60. It's kind uh, of another, incredible. Another great little tidbit was, you know, of course they had to they recast Jennifer with Elizabeth Shue because the original mm-hmm. actress was taking care of her mom who had cancer, right? Yeah. <clears throat> Fun little trivia. Uh, Elizabeth Shue and Leah Thompson were in a Burger King commercial together when they were, like, hmm. in the early 80s, like, like when they oh, were wow. teenagers. <laughs> it's hilarious when you watch it. Because, <laughs> like, if you forget just, like, commercials especially like like fast food commercials you know marketed to children obviously from the early 80s are like it it might as well be the 1940s they're so just completely out of touch with society <laughs> culture right? and so, yeah so yeah if you if you, you want to hit hit pause and then go watch the commercial go to youtube and just t- you type in elizabeth shoe uh, Leah Thompson Burger King commercial and uh feast your eyes on that <laughs> little tidbit it <laughs> Well, you know, you mentioned the original working titles, Paradox, and that's an interesting thing, is that the original sequel uh, to Back to the Future, they didn't, you know, even then they hadn't conceived of it as a trilogy. They wrote the sequel, uh, which was titled Back to the Future Paradox, and what it was was the second and third movie in one script. It was, you know, they go to the future, and then they go back to the Old West, uh, and it was a fucking monster script. It would have been like a a three-and-a-half-hour movie. Right. Um, so I guess, you know, for whatever reason, they were trying to trim it down, like, can't lose this, can't lose this. Uh, you know, I guess they eventually convinced the studio to just give them two more movies, uh, and they they split up the script and, you know, f- uh, filled out the details. And they actually shot these pretty much consecutively, back to back. They were editing the second movie as they were filming the third movie. So, I mean, they right. barely took well, that a was a really between. weird Right. It's, it was a weird thing for me, because I, you know... Even though it, it said to be continued, they even they they were just like implying there was more adventures, even if we never saw them, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then it was five years, right? Which which yeah. I was kind of like, are they ever going to get around to making the rest of those? And then it was like, <laughs> bam, bam. And uh, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen a, a a sequel that had the trailer for the third movie at the yeah, end of the movie. At the end of the movie, <laughs> insane. I was, you know, and. But it's such an exhilarating thing because you're kind of like, you know, the little glimpse of the Old West you get to see is like, holy, this is like, it just gave you yeah. such like a great sense of adventure. Uh, you know, and especially just because the, the, there's so many what the fuck moments in this movie, especially like when the DeLorean gets hit by lightning and disappears. And it's like, oh, my God, Doc's dead. And like literally like the next second, 
the Western Union guy shows up with the letter, and you're like, just like, like trying to process all of it. <laughs> and and you know, I, it, when this came out, I was ten years old, so I was st- I'm still like, you know, super into fucking Indiana Jones and Jaws, and just like like any, anything that Zemeckis or Spielberg did back then was just like filled my brain with imagination and just excitement, and you know, the the, the this movie did that on so many other levels too. Uh, but yeah, it, it's, gosh, where was I going with this? Um, sequel just, coming just, right just out the whole on the of it. Yeah. Also just the idea of, of like playing with alternate realities, you know, cause we, in the first one, it was just seeing the real past. Right. And in this, we not only got to see, you know, a, a version of the future that in many ways was pretty accurate. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the Cubs, let's talk about the Cubs for a second to, to predict the the year that the Cubs won the World Series and only be off by one year, like yeah. what are the odds? Pretty <laughs> fucking the, nuts. <laughs> what are the fucking odds of that? Yeah. It was um, nuts. But then also to show like an alternate, fucked up version of of the president, which you know, 1985 was the president then, uh, or you know, 1990 was the president, but we're still working with 85 as the president, right? To see that that alternate version of, you know, what would what would the world be like if, uh, you know. If Biff slash Donald Trump was in charge, <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll get to that. It was just a lot of fun. And and one other little bit of trivia, I I don't. This was something I never would have known if I hadn't read all the IMD, IMDb stuff. But um, at, when the the newspaper that Doc has that shows he was committed to an insane asylum, mm-hmm. like once once they save the past for a second time, it changes to uh, Doc Brown commended. Yeah. Instead of Doc Brown committed, at the bottom of the newspaper, one of the other things that changes is Richard Nixon elected to his fifth term changes <laughs> to Ronald Reagan uh, 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 seeking election for second term or whatever. Yeah, for second term, right? And if if you know <laughs> some of the other things we've reviewed, uh, the the world in which uh, Nixon is elected to his fifth term is Alan Moore's Watchmen. Yep. Right. And I thought, there's no way that's a coincidence. And sure enough, it's not. Because Bob Gale, the writer, also wrote for DC Comics, as as Mm -hmm. well as Alan Moore did. So there's no way that that was not intentional. Which means, not not only is just that that's a coincidence, that that's in both things. It means that the world in which Biff was, you know, in charge of, of, you know, Hillsdale... uh, that that that's the same world as the world of the Watchmen. They yep. are the the same universe in the same way that we've seen all these Easter eggs that show that the world of Aliens and the world of Blade Runner are the same universe. <laughs> Which it's it's just like when you when you think about the 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 alternate 1985, right? Because you think like Watchmen came out in 1986 and this movie came out in 1990, right? So they're all like the the, the timeline makes sense that. The, the, the dystopian world of the Watchmen is actually the same world as the alternate 1985 of Back to the Future 2. Like, that just, like, I have so many questions now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, like well, about all the other things that could have been Can Doc and Marty go back movie. and stop the giant squid attack from happening? <laughs> right. There's so much more. There's so much, like, I, I just, oh, when right. I read so, that yesterday. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Well, I just Googled what's the date of the giant squid attack. It's actually November 2nd, 1985 in, in Watchmen. So it's at the end of the year. So I don't think any of that had happened yet by the events of, of the film. Because he goes back to November 5th, 1955. But I don't, think it, I don't think it was the same date that they went. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, right. I think 1985, they're in October still. So that's actually pretty funny. If in that alternate, uh, you know, fucking Biff, Biff. So you, you, uh, you think it could have been like like Bob Gale's like, I'm going to call up my buddy Alan Moore and see what kind of like ideas he has for how to make, uh, you know, the, the dystopian version of 1985, you know, <clears throat> you know, if he's got any ideas for it. And like they, they could have <laughs> literally could have been like. Oh yeah, what if uh, Alan Moore's you know hanging upside down in his Batcave uh, <laughs> on the on the phone to Bob Gale? I was like, hey, what if uh, Donald Trump was the president? He's like, wow, that's good, because <laughs> <laughs> like, there's no way that's going to happen. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> like, oh damn. Um, so yeah, now Back to the Future came out in July of '85. Uh, 
Oh no! So the, the the day they go back is October twenty sixth, nineteen eighty five. So it was like six days before the giant squid attack. So that's that's wow. pretty uh, that's pretty funny. That's, that's fucking wild. Um, but no, and you know, so there's a lot of things in this movie that I kind of almost forget happened in this movie because, like I said, you know, the third movie is obviously distinct in everyone's mind because it's in the old west. But you know, partly because so much of the second movie feels like the first movie and partly because a lot of the second movie is actually just the first movie you know run back i I forget how many things are from the second movie that didn't you know that that weren't even introduced like the whole idea of uh marty's character flaws that he can't you know take being called chicken or you know being challenged any anything uh you know and he just fucking sees red and he can't think straight and he'll just do whatever uh, to to you know it, it, it's it's funny because like we talked about in the first movie how you know Marty doesn't really have an arc he doesn't have a journey in the first movie um, you know it's just very plot driven his character doesn't really learn a lesson uh, or anything like that and you know uh, Bob Gale and Bob Zemeckis in writing the second movie are like all right well if we're gonna do two more of these we need to give him an arc we need to give him some kind of a a, a flaw to overcome. Uh, and they, you know, decide to put that in. But I, you know, that's such an it, that's such an iconic element of Marty McFly that it doesn't even occur to you that that's not even in the original Back to the Future movie until you're watching. You're like, oh yeah, that didn't happen until the second movie because <laughs> it's such a key plot point right. in the story. Well, there's there's a lot of du- like duopolies like that, like the you know Halloween two. We reviewed Halloween one and two, and there was a ton of things that happened in Halloween two that I remembered originally happened in mm-hmm. the first film. Yeah, uh, like the like the Mr. Sandman song that yeah, everyone associates yeah. with Halloween isn't in the first Halloween; it's in the second one. Or even like what's the the um, uh, the, the series of horror movies with Jason? Friday, is that Friday the Thirteenth? Yep. Yeah, yeah. Like Jason's He's not, not in, in the, the first, first movie, <laughs> right? It's just <laughs> fucking. I, I won't spoil it for anyone that hasn't seen a movie that came out uh, what forty one years ago. Well, he, he is for about fifteen <laughs> seconds at the at the end, but it's not the Jason right. we know and love. And he's not right. even in the second movie. He's not. He doesn't have the mask until the third movie. He's got like a bag on his head in the second movie, which is another thing people forget. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there is that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. I mean, it, it's just funny because these these movies are so iconic that that we I think we forget that like. So many of these things were like you know just around for a movie or a movie and a half you know it's it's, it's pretty pretty mm-hmm. funny, but so yeah uh, the the future shit uh, you know we we talked a lot about what the movie predicted you know and we talked last episode about uh, the product placement in that movie and this this movie it's like on fucking oh you know on overdrive with everything that they you know they encounter in the in the future um you know in the cafe 80s and there's just tons of pepsi uh everywhere there's the fucking the nike the lace lace up nikes which are you know coolest shoes of all fucking time for my money um i i i I almost bought a pair but i mean they were way too much money and i did not have the money when they came out but yeah uh in 2015 they did like a big uh, th- a lot of shit got like released as part of like the anniversary of the movie because that's you know the year they go to is 2015, so they did like that Pepsi Perfect thing. They re- they sold bottles of that for twenty dollars and fifteen cents. They sold the fucking Nike lace up shoes that actually self laced. Apparently, I don't know if they actually worked. Um, they sold hoverboards that didn't hover, uh, but you know all, all shit like that. Uh, and it's just so fucking crazy how all those little things, you know, really only appeared in the second movie, but they're just considered, you know, to be part of the, part of the back to the future canon. Yeah. Yeah. And you got, you got fans doing conventions that are just back to the future conventions. You know, the, it is like, like we put up with all the, the tacky product placement because we're just like, it's, it's the fucking eighties. It's when we, we've re-embraced all that crap, (laughs) you know, and (laughs) part, part of the reason why Crispin Glover didn't want to be involved in this, this film anymore. Although I did read a little bit further, and you know his objections. There's to the first disputed film, reports. Yeah, his objection to the first film is that the parents turned into yuppies, and that's like virtuous or shown to be virtuous. And we talked last, uh, uh, you know, our last review why that's not exactly accurate. They just turned out to be different people. It wasn't like they chose to like be yuppies, and, and you know, in fact, they're living in the same house too. So not that big a change. Um, yeah. But you read further into Crispin Glover's uh, real reason for it. He just wanted more money. 
he wanted like way more money than the other people for the same amount of screen time. And they were like, no, we're not going to pay you that much. <laughs> so his whole objection to the, or his state objection to it was actually like his, his own kind of hypocrisy <laughs> yeah. was that he just wanted, he wanted to cash in more. Well, I mean, there's also conflicting reports. Like, he says that he was offered, like, half of what Leah Thompson was offered. And, you know, and and again, we don't know how much time he would have been in the second and third movies because they had to, you know, substantially rewrite the characters he would have played to to take him out of it. Right. Um, But, and then the producers are like, no, we offered him a lot of money. He wanted a million dollars. Like, he... So who fucking knows? He's a weirdo, uh, right. great actor, but a fucking weirdo. So who well, knows? It what just the it wasn't exactly. Is. I mean, the the he had a big <laughs> role in the first one, but the second one just like that wasn't his arc, you know. And and you know, even the third movie isn't even really Marty's arc. You watch the third one, no, and it's, it's really movie. it's Doc's movie. Yeah, and that's okay. Like I'm I'm fine with all that. Um, but you know, it's like the, if, did you, I don't know if you read like the original idea for Back to the Future 2 was that Marty was going to go back to the 60s and his parents were hippies and that was going to be like they were like we're just doing the same movies the first one but in the 60s instead of the 50s and that's dumb so we're not going to do that so I'm I'm glad they didn't just go back that plus they they also figured out like their ages completely wouldn't have worked with with the time period of like when hippies were around basically yeah um and Zemeckis didn't like this like so Bob Gell had written the script while Zemeckis was filming something you know, on his own, and Zemeckis came back and didn't like the '60s concept, so they scrapped that anyway. Yeah, well, it was, it was uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit was the film oh, yeah, that Zemeckis yeah, yeah. was on, working on for like awesome three years. Uh, which, yeah, I mean, again, mind blowing. We're going to review that eventually someday, yeah, I'm sure. sure. Um, but uh, yeah, what movie were we reviewing? Right <laughs> Back now? to the Future Two. There so, we go. In, yeah. So obviously, you know, in, in a lot of ways, this is this is Marty's movie. In a lot of ways, this is Biff's movie. Um, and Biff's uh, arc in this in this movie is kind of incredible. He plays just the range of characters he plays in this movie, from you know the '50s bully Biff to the 2015 like ancient you know walking with the cane Biff to the 1985 you know uh, Donald Trump Biff. Donald Trump Biff to the non Donald Trump you know car waxing bit like he's it's pretty incredible the transformations he makes and you know it doesn't ever feel like the same fucking guy but um, it, the Trump stuff is is really funny and I think Bob Gales actually said oh yeah no he was totally based on Donald Trump uh, you know at the time who even at the time was a sleazy fucking you know huckster who you know loved to put his name on shit and you know build giant monstrosities in the middle of places that they don't belong and et cetera et cetera but one really funny bit of of uh, scripting in this movie that I don't even know if I, I have to assume it was intentional because I'm sure the story was out there back then uh, so I've been reading this book uh, called Football for a Buck and it's the story of like the rise and fall of the USFL which was this uh, rival to the NFL. It was like a startup league in the 80s, and it's like super like colorful, and there's like just tons of cocaine. It's a really fucking crazy, like fun, you know, kind of like blip in, in, in sports history for like five years that it existed. Uh, and, but so Donald Trump, you know, always coveted the legitimacy of, of, you know, his peers and always coveted owning an NFL team. Like, he wanted to own the Jets, but, like, you know, he tried to buy any NFL team that he could, but the owners wouldn't let him buy a team, right? So he ended up buying Did he a just US not have enough money or what? No, they just didn't like him. Like, because the owners get to vote on <laughs> who should, like, yeah, because he's, he's a right. prick then, too. You know, they met with him, and they're like, fuck right, this right. guy. I mean, this guy's an asshole. Like, he'll make us all look like idiots. Um, but And he had the money, probably. You know, I, I, I'm sure it wasn't. It's, you know, cost prohibitive. He would have, you know, found the money somewhere, borrowed it or whatever. But um, no, they just didn't like him. They didn't want to let him buy a team. So his idea was, all right, fine. Well, I'll go to the USFL and I'll just force them to merge with the NFL. And then they'll have to accept me as an owner. Um, But he and he fucked it up because he's a fucking idiot and doesn't know anything about sports or business. And he literally crashed the league. Um, but in that, he literally like the, the league was really like profitable and like good, and they, they like they played in the spring, which is the off season for the NFL. So people are like, oh yeah, we'll watch this. It's fun. It's, it's More not football. Quite as, What's not yeah, to love? Exactly. And he's like, no, no, we gotta, we got we gotta compete head to head with the NFL. We gotta run at the same time, 
with the problem with that was that they were all using NFL stadiums, and when they went to compete with the NFL, all the stadiums were like, yeah, we were, you, you can't play here anymore. And so all these teams had to fucking move, and they couldn't you know, afford the operating. Co- and they, you know, it was a fucking shit show because he's an idiot and doesn't know anything about business. But And how so, does this tie in with our uh, film? <laughs> so, the re- yeah, no, the reason I mention this is because a couple of people, t- it's pretty extensive about like the meetings with Trump in this in this period. And the story that kept reoccurring in the book was like, oh, yeah, no. So we'd go to meet him at Trump Tower. And before you got to go in with Donald, they'd sit you in this waiting room and they play this like propaganda video for you with narration about how amazing Donald was and his career successes, like total, total puff piece video. And I was like, oh, my God, like the fucking video in this movie is probably the exact video, like type of video that they fucking right. th- that Trump would make people watch. And I, I almost wonder if like Bob Gale had heard that story in the 80s and was like, yeah, no, we got to we got to throw oh, that. That's, in that got to be. Plus, it's just like a you know ex- expository device to yeah, give a bunch of information exactly. really quickly. No, absolutely. I'm sure that's 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 not by coincidence. So <laughs> I was reading that. I was like, "That's fucking hilarious." That's just you know the Biff Tannum fucking museum, smoking required. Right. There's a, there's a sign when you walk in that says "smoking required." Oh my god. Um, yeah. So you know, I, I I just love everything about that the 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 evil like you know 80s. But and and we talk about like the the arc of that character and the way that. You know, you give him some money and power, and he's not only just a fucking maniac and a monster, but he's a murderer. Like he, mur- you know, we find out that he murdered uh, George McFly just to, you know, to get to Lorraine. Like he's a fu- like that's what right. happens. You know, when people like that are above the law. So it, it, it's just fu- it's funny. Like uh, the, the 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 way that they explore that character, I think more so than almost any other character, because he's not aware of the time travel for the most part. Yet he's, you know. Uh, the the victim of the time travel so we get to see all these different iterations of what he would be like under different circumstances it's pretty interesting well i was also kind of disturbed to you know when you see the 2015 marty mcfly like he's kind of a craven like just boring can't play his guitar anymore (laughs) like working in a corporate job that you know he hates i was just kind of like oh that's like, shouldn't yeah. that be the thing that gets corrected? But then, you know, kind of retroactively, uh, it you know, it, it does. It is, sort of, yeah. Because he never fucks up his hand in the car accident, so he can still play his guitar. And he overcomes his, you know, his uh, weakness or his flaw of, of flipping out anyone somebody calls him chicken. Yeah. So even though, the, like, they don't directly address that in this film, like, you kind of come to that conclusion by the end of the third film. Uh, But yeah, yeah. like as far as the, you know, like you were saying, different character, you know, different life experiences determining who you end up becoming, um, you know, that that really is what this whole trilogy is about, obviously. Yeah. Well, you know, it's fucked up and kind of sad, you know, sad is that he um, so in between the two films, which were shot, I think, you know, like four years apart, he said, oh, I forgot I forgot how to ride a skateboard. Um, which is not something you really do. It's like, you know, it's just muscle no. memory. And so he realized later on, he said, yeah, I realize now that was probably just uh, early effects of the Parkinson's. Like, is that I just couldn't, you know, the, the, I couldn't put together the motor functions to, to ride a skateboard anymore. So in a weird way, the, the, the hand thing is almost like a, a you know, an unfortunate bit yeah. of foreshadowing. It is. It really is. But, I mean, when he didn't really have to like skateboard to ride the hoverboard so i'm trying to like well I, I think why maybe had to maybe they had to take out an, an 85 or 55 skateboarding scene for that re- like they he may have tried and you know that he couldn't do it so they were they kind of worked around it for like the non-future stuff maybe yeah maybe you know, there's know. also like you know there was also reshoots that were done uh you know like the when they you know the the very end of uh you know the first Back movie yeah. one Rather than just use the footage from the first film, they reshot it from like slightly different angles, right? And you wouldn't even know they reshot it because they do such well, a perfect job. Jennifer was of, different. Of doing the they, had to, they had to put in Elizabeth Shue for that. that they one reshot car that shot. too, right? Right, but like you know, the 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 scene after Marty goes back and there's you know the two strips of fire and Doc's like dancing down the street, right? Mm. And then all of a sudden, like Marty shows up again, oh, and yeah, Doc's yeah. Doc's like. He can't even believe he's there, so he's like he doesn't see him at first, even though he's t- like looking right at him. 
and then he faints. You know, like they, yeah. they reshot all of that for continuity. Now, one of the problems they had was, you know, they, they made, uh, you know, they made Hill Valley, you know, that whole downtown square with the courthouse and everything. They made it pristine for 1955. Right, but then they had to, you know, make it look shitty for the, you know, the modern 1985, or you know, not not the alternate version, but just the modern version. Marty's version of 1985 was, you know, not as good. Was kind of kind of beat up, uh, and they did such a good job of beating it up that it cost more to fix it for Back to the Future Two than it did to build it <laughs> yeah. in the first place. <laughs> Which is just like, you know, that's the, the very reason why they tear down buildings instead of refurbish them is because. Building something new usually costs less money than fixing something broken on that scale. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, it, it's just uh, so many things. The one thing about this movie that I'd say that, you know, I, the reason I still put this, the first movie ahead of it, it doesn't have as many iconic kind of music moments and music cues. Like, there's very, I, I mean, I, everything in this movie that's like an iconic music thing is really from the first movie. Um, yeah. And, you know, even the third movie's got its own kind of like that, the, the ZZ Top song they play at the dance and shit. Like, there's shit right, from right. that movie that's like, this movie doesn't really focus on that. And it's, it's kind of weird because I feel like that's such a big part, to me at least, and I think to, you know, to the fandom of the, of the franchise is such a big part of the, of the fandom is the music. And I think maybe that's something that kind of started well, later after the series yeah. kind of came out, you know? I would say that the, you know, uh, Silvestri's score for this film is better oh, than the first one. Incredible. Uh, he definitely, like, improved upon the score of it. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, just, if you don't remember, go back and, like, watch one and two back-to-back to see the changes in the score and just how much better it is overall. Um, I will say, though, like, the, the, the score for the third one, that, like, Old West mm-hmm. refrain, you know, like, the main thing, you know, um, is amazing. Like I'll get that, that. It's like it's such an earworm. I'll get that that western score stuck in my head mm-hmm. for days at a time. Sometimes, yeah. Uh, and it just makes me want to watch Toy Story. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. Uh, he's you know he he fucking kills it the entire trilogy. Alan Silvestri. His just its score is iconic and instantly recognizable. Um, yeah. So, what other pieces of trivia did you pull up? Uh, um, you know, I might actually hit a couple. Oh, one of the <laughs> things I love is, um, you know, sort of the, you know, when, when Marty, uh, they, they don't waste any time in transitional scenes, right? So, uh, you know, when Doc tells Marty to, you know, he'd be really careful about running into his other self, uh, yep. that it could cause the universe to implode upon itself, right? He's like... You know, get, here's some money, get some clothes, and get something inconspicuous. So Marty gets, like, a fedora and sunglasses. <laughs> that's, like, that's it. That's all he's got. And he's got the walkie-talkie, which uh-huh. apparently, you know, uh, 1980s plastic walkie-talkie has a, a range of apparently dozens miles. of miles. Like, right. right. <laughs> like, I had walkie-talkies when I was a kid. And you could get about 500 feet away from each other before they stopped working. <laughs> um yeah, or just you know one of the one of the just the little things that when Doc opens up the the briefcase full of money and he's got money from like at least two dozen different time periods and we mm-hmm. we get the impression that like he's been all over the fucking place <laughs> like this is just one of many adventures, um and you know and because of that that's why I don't know if you ever watched the Back to the Future uh, Saturday Morning Kids cartoon do you remember that I no I you know I never actually watched that I, that's yeah one of the things I want to uh, it was out. just like a serial adventure kind of show like it, it, it they would just go all over all whatever time period right and they had like the delorean and the train so it was kind of just like completely you know completely not canon mm-hmm. um but that's like that little you know the suitcase with all the money from you know dozens of different time periods was was your kind of your imagination kind of ran with like how many other adventures has doc been on mm-hmm. you know like how many times has has he had to go back in time and had an adventure with Marty in a different, like, you know, they, and you're starting to get into, like, Rick and Morty territory then by that point. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, Proto, let's see. Proto Rick and Morty. Let's, if I had anything else here. Oh, I mean, everyone knows this one. This was the uh, the first appearance of, uh, in film by Elijah Wood. Oh, yeah, of course. The fucking, uh, the iconic scene in the, in the, uh, 
it was the it was the future cafe, right? Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was the cafe eighties because they, they had yep. the 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 gun uh, quick draw, whatever the fuck the game was. That's right. Yeah, and they get the video game working, and then they're he's uh, Marty's like, oh, I remember this one. They're like, oh, you have to play with your hands, and that that's like <laughs> the like lamest boomer <laughs> thing uh, to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. also the the uh, you know the cafe eighties <coughs> was. Uh, a, you know, it was a combination of the cafe from the 50s and the 1985 uh, yoga studio or aerobic studio. Because <laughs> in, in the cafe 80s, in 19, 2015, there's like the two people that are uh, riding exercise bikes in the cafe as well. Right? And uh, Biff's like, you two, keep pedaling. That, that part, that <laughs> yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and also just like this was the, you know, being the second film... Uh, you know, it was the first time we get to start seeing the repetition of all the things that happened, you know, like the just, you know, the the skateboard chase with the car. Right. Like it, it began the, the tradition of of doing the exact same thing. Right. And in the third one, of course, you get Biff with the manure again. Right. You know, just, you know, or the um, the the mom. Mom, is that you like that? Yeah. yeah. You know, from, from his daughter when uh, the uh, played by himself. Uh, although voiced by somebody else, um, so yeah, that that all all that kind of stuff, just the little the little bits of, oh yeah, we this is the exact same thing only at a different time period, um, yeah, just I mean all that stuff just works so well, yeah, to me, yeah, and, and I love, and you know, I think we talked about it a little bit in the first review, but the um, the meeting between old Biff and fifties Biff when he gives him the. The sports almanac with all the sports scores. I, I love that whole fucking scene and just like all of their dialogue back and forth. And, you know, how Biff is kind of like not, he's become less of an idiot, less of like a meathead in his old age, and, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> make, let's make like a tree and leave. Yeah. Just <laughs> um, great. Fucking great. Great and stuff. And that was, that's uh, the, their ability to have two people in the same scene and even hand things back and forth. Mm. Uh, was, wasn't done with CGI. It was done, well, it was partially CGI, but it was done by something called Vistaglide, uh, which was just basically like a, a uh, computer-controlled camera that could completely match the movement every single time, so they could have, you know, camera moving and both people in frame because they're you know you're shooting two things separately, obviously. Yeah. And then somehow stitching it together without the kind of CGI that we have now, um, really impressive. Um, and in you fact, really the dinner scene. No, and in fact, the dinner scene. There was three. You know, you have three different characters in that scene, all being played by by uh, Michael J. Fox. By, by, by Michael J. Fox. Yeah, which uh, just like to to do that nowadays would be super easy. But yeah. back then, it was like they actually. I read that the while they were shooting that scene, there was an earthquake, and oh, they were worried that things had like moved slightly. But not enough that you could tell, and then like it wasn't going to match in these shots where they had to have every single thing like glued down. <laughs> uh, otherwise, it, you would have like ghosts of things. There's actually, uh, if you watch the the uh, old Biff and young Biff scene in the garage again, there's at one point one of their hands disappears because of like where they like stitched the two frames together. There was like one tiny little error where his hand dis- like I don't remember which one it was which of the two of them it was but like this, his hand disappears so if you watch it again watch for that hmm. and you can always explain that away as you know he's disappearing through <laughs> he's being erased through time right um, right well and the uh, actually I read that um, the Zemecca said that the, the scene when an old uh, Biff gets his cane stuck in the DeLorean as he's yeah, trying to get out off the head yeah Right, that he's he, he's like in pain for some reason, and they said it was because he was starting to fade away, because he he had altered the future, and as yeah. soon as he came back, suddenly he's he's gonna like disappear and no longer exist. Yeah. Basically, that version of of Biff wouldn't exist anymore, or right. or maybe he died earlier because he was you know Donald Trump Biff and he was you know doing cocaine off of hookers every day, and his heart stopped before he got to right. ninety well, years uh, old or whatever he was. Apparently, on some DV commentary, uh, Bob Gale said that uh, there was a another part of the plot they never included. It was like in an earlier script where uh, Lorraine kills Biff in like 1996. Oh, nice. apparently, so that that was the reason that he, he wasn't going to exist anymore. Um, oh, oh okay. but they never they did just decided not to develop it. That it was too much to to go into and didn't didn't feed into any other part of the story that they were working on. 
<laughs> Crazy. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, just uh, across the board, just uh, excellent, you know, continuation of the first movie in, in many ways just feels like, you know, like it, like it, like a part of the same film. Never, you know, never, never stopped watching, basically, feels like. Um, and, you know, the third movie, of course, is iconic in its own way and has a much different setting, but of course hits all those same beats and hits a lot of the same, you know, echoes of, of plot. Uh, and we'll be talking about that, you know, coming up soon. But, uh, for me, this movie is just, you know, tremendous. Uh, and, it, and it's hard to even separate, like I said, hard to even separate them because they're all just kind of a, a part of a piece. Um, yeah. So what, for you, what would you give this out of, uh, five hammer and sickles oh yeah five five out of five for sure it's it's still you know the original stands alone right yeah. but this is this is one of the best sequels ever made uh, obviously and it's you know the the idea of what time really is becomes more apparent in this one uh, and just explaining alternate timelines you know that that's not a like we take that for granted of like the idea of, of going back in time and changing things and mm-hmm. cha- how that would change the future but in 1985, like, there weren't a lot of complicated time travel movies. It was like, oh, the, you know, H.G. Wells, like, uh, you know, the guy goes 50,000 years into the future, and there's a bunch of monsters living underground, and he's got to fix the time machine and go back, and now he's okay again. Like, yeah. that, that's what time travel movies were up until about this point, <laughs> right? Yeah. So, again, to have a bunch of exposition to explain to the audience, like, how time paradoxes work and how alternate timelines work is the reason why we can watch a movie like, you know, Avengers Endgame and not have to explain everything all over again, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and you could even play with it and be like, oh, time travel, so like Back to the Future? Like, no, actually <laughs> yeah. nothing like Back to the Future. <laughs> they could write exactly. that into the dialogue, you know, because that is, it's part of our culture. It's well, part of our, our cultural zeitgeist. Our entire time travel literacy as a, as, a, as, a, you know, as a collective, I think, comes from that film. And, you know, obviously... You know, there's been other great time travel movies, but that's still the one that I think, you know, if you had to explain time travel to somebody, like, people would get the broad strokes just because of, you know, the, sim- the simple but, you know, uh, effective way that they communicate it through exposition in, in, the, in these movies. Like, you know, it's, Doc Brown does a fuck ton of exposition almost at all times, but you never think of him as, like, a, a plot device or as an expository character just because he's such a good... He's so, he's such a good actor, and he's so good at being like uh, such a like you know a, he has such a lovable like performance that it's hard to you don't think of him as like a cheap expository character, but that's really what most of his dialogue is is just a yeah, ton of it, fucking exposition. Yeah, we gave a ton of praise Christopher Lloyd uh, in the last one, so we're, we're kind of skimping on the, this time. But one thing I love about Christopher Lloyd, I read here that um, you know when he's trying to catch up to Marty. Uh, when Marty is trapped in the garage, or at least Doc thinks he's still trapped in the garage, um, he rides up on a, on like an old 1950s bicycle, and he's like really struggling with it, like he mm-hmm. he can't ride a bike very well. But in reality, Christopher Lloyd is is a uh, like very experienced cross country cyclist. <laughs> so the fact that like he can ride a bike really well, but to make it funny, pretends like he's struggling to ride a bike, <laughs> just like one more thing that he you know, as an actor thought of to do, just to make, like, one one extra little bit of humor, you know, to, to make that, you know, make that scene work. Well, you know, the other funny thing about the, about him in this movie is that, you know, like, he, he's always seemed ageless, I think, to, to most people, because he was, I think, considerably younger than he was portraying Doc Brown as in the first film. You know, they had, like, the, the, the fake hair on him and shit. Right. Um, but, you know, in this movie, they do the joke where he goes... Uh, to the future and gets rejuvenation surgery so that he still looks like, you know, the the nineteen fifty five and nineteen eighty five Doc Brown. <laughs> like, it's it's impossible right. to tell his age by any kind of you know facial metric. It, and it never was it never was that big of a difference. But they did that because they didn't want it. Was Chris Roy didn't want to keep having to do like the nineteen eighty five makeup to make him look slightly older. Mm-hmm. So they were just like he just like peels off that. Then he's like, "What do you think?" And then they're like, "Okay, we don't have to." <laughs> do any more of <laughs> that makeup great, for the rest he of the movie. He looks fucking same, basically. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's like a slight difference. He's like, yeah, you look great, Doc. <laughs> like, great. Um, Good shit. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. So, uh, any other little details about the, like, like um, one other thing I read was the, uh, you know, all the future cars. Um, 
you know, you'd think they would like do a ton of design uh, for all the cars in this movie. Turns out, no. They just took them all from other movies that had future cars already that were they sitting around the not being used. And we're like, all right, what do we got? What do we got? Exactly. Where do we got? Where, where's the Blade Runner section? Right. Like, we got a Blade Runner car. We got a car from you know, fucking RoboCop. We got a car. All right, just bring a them bunch all in. Of we'll less just do successful them all. movies, probably. It's like, oh yeah, fuck. Nobody right. will remember that one. Yeah, we don't quite have the budget. That's what all the product placements are for. <laughs> um, yeah, even like fucking Pizza Hut. You got the pizza oven and it oh, just fucking yeah. expands. Uh, but apparently they, they like uh, Pizza Hut wanted their pizzas to look, make sure their pizzas looked really good. So they sent like their own private chef to like uh, to the set to make sure the pizza looked perfect. Each because they yeah. were that worried. <laughs> they were su- super did. worried that like good. I, I won't lie. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna fucking eat it right. Yeah, um, yeah just just things like that of, of <laughs> like. All right, we're going to do product placement. We're going to have our own person on set to ensure that our fucking pizza looks piping hot, fresh. That's, that's you don't even think one. of it like, oh, I, you don't even think of it like Pizza Hut as being like good pizza. No, no, it's awful. It's awful. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, it's just it's I mean, terrible. I'm a snob because I'm food. from New York, so I'm used to like the best pizza in the fucking world. But hey, I mean, I'm a I'm a snob from Chicago. I was going to say, yeah, you got, the, you got the deep dish. Uh, <laughs> yeah, pie. Exactly, it's pie. It's not pizza. Let's 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 not exactly. let's not let's not mix words. Uh, no, uh, but yeah, I, I think of all the devices from 2015 that I'm most mad that we don't have. It's not the hoverboard. It's not flying cars. It's the fucking instant oven that you put a piece of frozen thing in and like 10 seconds later it's fucking piping hot and like 10 times right. the size and, and it was i mean as, as a as a full-time cyclist i would love to be able to fit you know a year's worth of groceries in one bag <laughs> like that right. that would fucking <laughs> save me a ton of trips oh man good shit um yeah exactly so yeah uh you know i just excellent movie uh again i also will give it five out of five i, I can't find a flow at this movie you know it's not not that it's like a perfect, but like there's nothing I would change in this movie. Um, Top notch performances from everybody. And yeah, and I can't wait to review the third one. So, all right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next week, uh, we'll be doing a political cast. I'm sure we'll have uh, quite a bit to talk about since the uh, disastrous Democratic convention is going on right now. And so cringe. holy shit! Oh my god! Like, <laughs> I didn't watch it last night, but just I haven't the watched first it. I just alone. watched highlights. I can't. I can't oh. bear to fucking. It's so much myself. worse than I thought. So much worse than I thought it was going to be. And we'll we'll get into the details. We won't bore anyone who uh, yeah. loves Back to the Future but hates politics here. So, um, uh, yeah, if you like what you hear, uh, go to our SoundCloud page where we have a brand new. Uh, background banner <laughs> and <laughs> that's exciting but we also have a brand new uh, Twitter account dedicated just to our political show and that is at where Anthony? That is at Move Left Pod on Twitter and awesome. we'll, we'll, we'll post the movie stuff on there too but that's just the podcast that's not our uh, personal exactly. accounts so if, yeah if you like our show but you don't like us personally which <laughs> I mean how could I don't, I don't blame you yeah, uh, yeah, we're opinionated sure. um, then you can just just follow the show and not us if you choose to. Again, that's at Move Left Pod on Twitter. So, yeah, we are on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash Move Left, uh, Facebook.com slash Move Left Idiots, Patreon at uh, Patreon.com slash Move Left. Uh, we will have merch up soon. I'm not going to use Teespring anymore because they uh, are Nazi sympathizers, so don't buy any of our merch if you if you remember the link from, from previous previous episodes. Uh, but we'll have some merch going up soon. I want I, 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 The reason I'm holding off is because I want to do some new designs, too. I want to actually kind of yeah. put some work into it, but uh, I never have time. So we <laughs> that'll happen eventually. Uh, and uh, any listeners to the show want to throw in some designs, we're, we're you know definitely welcome. We definitely welcome them, uh, but yeah, yeah. So we, uh, yeah, Patreon. Where else? I'm on Twitter at move underscore left, and as always, I'm on Twitter at bike slutty. Yep. Be sure to go follow the show at Move Left Pod, and we will see you next week.